Looking for health info? This is Health U's House Call, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's podcast. We're here to provide you with the tools and resources to make informed decisions about your health. Here, our expert providers will provide you with wellness tips, information, and general health advice. This is House Call. Ozempic, Trulicity, Wagovi, ZepBound, for those who are looking for prescription medications to help with weight loss, there are a lot of options on the market right now. Between all of these different medications, including considering bariatric surgery, how can you know which is right for you? Today I'll be joined by Dr. Seth Kipnis, a bariatric surgeon and medical director of bariatric and robotic surgery at Jersey Shore University Medical Center. Dr. Kipnis will guide us through the pros and cons of each option, shedding light on what might be the most effective path for different individuals on their weight loss journey. Dr. Kipnis, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, before we dive into this super deep topic, do you mind sharing a little bit just about how you got into this specialty? Sure. I've been a bariatric surgeon for the last 17 years. I've been working at Jersey Shore Medical Center and started the bariatric program here about 14 years ago. And it's a remarkable field that has been changing over the last 20 years. We went from very large operations to laparoscopic operations to the most minimally invasive procedures we can do. We have a variety of different operations that have evolved over the last 15 to 20 years that all help treat obesity. The uh, AMA, American Medical Association, uh, approved obesity as a medical disease in 2013. So it took a while for this to even be recognized as a disease. And now we're really beginning a different era of very effective, powerful, injectable, and oral medications that are helping us assist in the treatment of obesity, and insurance companies and doctors are slowly being able to get these covered and approved and prescribed to really help people with their weight loss in the long term. Well, that's great. Sounds like there's lots of options for people in all different stages. Yes, and that's what's been changing is every three, four years, it's really been evolving as a field, as a specialty. At Jersey Shore Medical Center, we are not only a bariatric center of excellence, we also were recently certified in obesity medicine. So we really want to be treating this as an independent disease, and we now have new tools that really weren't available a few years ago and are continuing to evolve as a very effective methods to treat permanent long-term weight loss. Well, that's great. So how about we start by talking about some of these new tools? Um, I know you had mentioned there's a couple new drugs on the market, recently FDA approved. Do you mind just kind of diving in and sharing a little bit about what the differences are between what was available and what's available now? Sure. So the medications, uh, there were many different types of medications for weight loss that have been used for 30 years. There is a diabetes group of medications called GLP-1 inhibitors. These particular type of medications have been around for several years, including Ozempic and Manjaro. Those two types of medications were very effective at helping diabetics control their blood sugars. Their side effect was weight loss. So over the last year, two years, the FDA has approved the same medication at a higher dose called Wagovi for the primary indication of weight loss. The FDA approved this November a other drug, which is Mon- Monjaro, but it's the same drug called Zepbound, which is now primary indicated for weight loss. So now you no longer need to be a diabetic to obtain these drugs. They also lowered the BMI criteria. For weight loss surgery, uh, BMI 
with no medical problems needed to be 40 or above in order to be eligible for weight loss surgery. 35 or above with one medical problem associated with obesity. These medications are indicated for a BMI over 30. So it's a much Can you put lo- that in terms of weight, maybe like of average weight for a person? I mean, can you do that? I can. So someone who's 300 pounds, mm-hmm. who should be 200 pounds, yeah. is eligible with a BMI of 40. Okay. So now we're talking about a patient that may only be 220, mm-hmm. and they're eligible for medications. So if you expand it down where someone may be only 200 pounds, with diabetes, with high blood pressure, with sleep apnea, someone who's 200 pounds may now be eligible for weight loss medications because they lowered it to 27 with medical problems that you can be prescribed medications. So by doing this, we've expanded the number of patients in this country that we are now able to treat for weight loss, uh, long-term weight loss with medications who maybe are even aren't eligible for surgery and mm-hmm. may never even get to surgery because if we can get the weight off them earlier, right. uh, they can avoid an operation. Do you see a lot of patients coming in who kind of don't even fit this BMI category but want to lose weight? Most people do fit the BMI category. By lowering it to 27, the majority of people are now eligible to have something to help them manage their weight. Interesting. Okay, so you could be like 20 pounds overweight and somebody say... That's the... If you have medical problems associated with it, if you have medical problems associated with obesity, you are now eligible for medications that can help you suppress your appetite. They slow your stomach emptying down. Uh, It makes you feel full quicker, and they're very effective. The current medications are injectable. Some are once daily. Some are once weekly injections, and they are being covered by insurances. We're working to get those preauthorized and approved. Some people are using it just out of pocket because Mm -hmm. they're very effective with minimal side effects. Wow. Okay, so I have so many questions. Um, You mentioned Ozempic is a diabetes drug. So is there anyone taking Ozempic purely just for weight loss? I feel, I'm asking because I feel like you see Ozempic everywhere, you know? So the drug itself is called Wagovi. Okay. But it's the same as Ozempic. Okay. It's a higher dose of Ozempic. Okay. They just changed the name. Yeah, just branding. Correct. The pharmaceutical companies changed the name, increased the dose, and they may be on Ozempic, but it's called Wagovi. Huh. Okay. So... All right, we're talking about dosage again. Um, I feel like I've seen a little bit in the news. Is it possible to overdose on these drugs? So they start out at a low dose. Yeah. And they slowly increase over four weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they reach a maximum dose. They come in an injectable pen that enables you not to inject any more yeah. than that medication. If you're having side effects or you ignore the effects of the drug, it will make you feel ill. Mm -hmm. You will have stomach cramps, abdominal pain, feel miserable. So if you're eating fatty, oily foods or you're eating a lot, the medications will make you have discomfort. So that's the issues of are you overdosing? Are you taking too much of it? Those are questions that as these drugs become more widely used, we're learning more about them. Right. So before somebody goes on to an injectable, do you kind of walk through like, here's what your diet should like look like when you're taking these drugs like to help minimize one minimize those side effects and two i guess just better generalized nutrition in all of the patients that we treat we require our patients to meet with a registered dietitian to go over their diet Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what we do 
in terms of medication, surgeries, or any intervention. If someone's not eating the right things, nothing that we do is going to work. Right. So that's a, a key component. So when patients come to our office and come into a practice prescribing it, they really should be seeing a registered dietitian. We're not prescribing these on the phone. Some people are getting them online, yeah, yeah. ordering through the mail. That's the issues that are out there. It needs to be controlled, and it needs to be under the care of a doctor or a practice with a registered dietitian to help guide you in what you should be eating so that these drugs can be effective. So we're always going to hear stories of people saying, yes, it didn't work for me. And ultimately, that's always been, if you don't make the right decisions, nothing we do will work. For sure. So you mentioned a little bit about like increase of dosage as time goes on over four weeks. How long does it typically take someone to end up seeing results? And I guess like how how much weight should they expect to lose like week to week? We're seeing significant results early. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing 10, 15 pounds over a month. Wow, that's a we're, lot. It is a lot. So the reason these medications are in the news or even talking about them is they're far more effective than any other drug that's been out there. Mm -hmm. And that's these GLP-1 drugs and the other drug is a GIP which is Monjaro and Zepbound. They're very powerful. They have very good suppressing your appetite effects, and they cause significant amount of weight loss in a short period of time. So people are seeing results, and people know someone, their neighbor, their friends, who they go, what are you doing? And celebrities are talking about it too. Yeah. That they're being used uh, in mass amounts with excellent results. It's pretty wild. So if my understanding is the injectables, you take it, it mimics a hormone that basically tells your brain like I'm full so you don't eat as much is yes, that right correct okay how did they figure this out I feel like this was such a futuristic thing people would think about like oh I just take a pill and it'll make me thin or whatever it may be like it's I specifically slowing the stomach emptying time okay so it when food hits the stomach the stomach is holding on to it for a longer period of time and many weight loss interventions have always been focused on that mm -hmm. uh, people would swallow balloons inside their stomach. These are types of procedures that have been recommended, putting restrictive That's a medical band. procedure? It seems uh, Intragastric balloons, <laughs> you swallow something, it goes inside your stomach, okay. and it gives you the feeling of full quickly. Interesting. That's not a surgery, but it was an endoscopic procedure. Placing uh, bands around the top of the stomach was designed okay. to do the mm -hmm. similar effect, to say, we have filled the top portion of your stomach with food, your appetite is suppressed, and we can tighten this slowly over time that it was gastric banding. All of these uh, stomach stapling, sleeve gastrectomies, gastric bypasses have all done things to restrict the size of the stomach, make you feel full quickly, and reduce your appetite. So these are the hormones that your body normally secretes and tells the stomach to say, don't empty, keep the food here longer, and that prevents you from eating anymore. And if you ignore those signals, the food comes back up. Whether you have surgery or you're on these drugs, the same effect will happen. Meaning you'll throw up? Yes. Oh. So is it, so if somebody is taking these injectables or had a surgery to make the stomach smaller, any of those other, you know, methods that you mentioned, and like they go about it like, hey, I used to eat this size portion. I used to eat a big old piece of steak. We call it Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And then they go about it. They're going to be sick then. Yes. Okay. So that's the importance of the meeting with a medical front. provider yeah. who can educate you on what you need to do and meeting with a registered dietitian to go over portion controls and sizes and what you should be doing. The medications, as well as surgery, both shrink the stomach's capacity to hold food. 
right? And make that food stay in your stomach longer. And we'll give you negative th- feedback if you ignore it. Is there any risk that to that for your health that you like your food's not passing through? The food does pass through. Well, I know it will it eventually, but slower. slower. So the issue is, even with weight loss surgery, if you're maintaining healthy eating choices, we're eating way too much. Mm-hmm. You need to lose 100,000 calories to lose 100 pounds. That's a lot of calories yeah. to yeah, burn and not consume yeah. in order to get effective weight loss for someone who's 100 pounds overweight. Right. So that's who we're looking at treating. And whatever that amount that we need to lose, it's a massive amount of calories. So we're talking about taking someone who may eat three to five to 10,000 calories a day and getting them down to 1,500 to 1,000 calories a day in order to drop that 50 to 100 pounds over the course of a year. 1,000 calories a day seems like nothing. It's the only way that you can cause effective weight loss is to severely restrict the amount of calories someone Mm -hmm. eats. However, the human body can do just fine on that amount of calories. We all know that genetics, body type, and metabolism play a role Mm -hmm. because some people have always been bigger. Some people's metabolic rate, how quickly they burn energy, is different than others. Where you sit next to someone and you go, that person seems to be able to eat whatever they want and doesn't gain a pound. Why can I not do that? The other issue that comes into it is age. Yeah. So when you're younger, it's much easier to lose weight Mm -hmm. and your metabolic rate is much higher. With each 10 years of life, your metabolic rate slows down and the human body's designed to store more calories. Right. That makes sense. So I'm flipping back to the the other side of it. You know, we were talking about people who kind of don't change diet and are eating too much or eating not the right amount. I'm sure you probably see the flip side of it of people who maybe are like really excited about trying to lose weight and then do they not eat at all? Like, do you see that from patients once they start taking this? Not usually. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Most patients still eat. Yeah. You really need food to carry out your daily functions. Mm -hmm. If you don't put gas in your car, it doesn't go anywhere. Right. So you do need to be filling it up intermittently. You don't need three extra gas tanks in the back of your car all the time. Yeah. And that's what we're talking about when we're trying to lose weight Mm -hmm. is you're carrying multiple, multiple gas tanks that you don't need to. You, we have food that's readily available in this country. We're not hibernating. We're not storing it for a long period of time. Right. You drive three minutes, you're at another place that's ready to feed you. So it's not a problem in this country for the majority of our patients. Okay. Well, that's a good thing. Have you seen, I think I asked this a little earlier, but have you seen people trying to take higher doses than they should just because they're trying to like kickstart, you know, more effects or? We have not seen anyone overdose on these medications. Okay, that's a good sign. The medications are controlled by the pen that dispenses them, Mm, where you can't dial up more. The pen is specifically designed for diabetes to inject a specific amount of medication, and that's it. Mm -hmm. So that's something that the pharmaceutical industry has been very good to control. This is not insulin that's being drawn up in a syringe and being injected into somebody. Right, because somebody could mess that up. It's a very easy dispensing method that people don't even know that the needle hit them and it's done. Hmm, okay. So it's a it's a very quick, easy dispensing mechanism. And if it wasn't, people wouldn't be successful. Yeah, for sure. They had to make it dummy proof for all of us, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so looking at all of these different options that people have, 
now from medications to surgery, how do you find what's right for somebody? So at this point, we are treating obesity as an independent disease, and we are offering all treatments available. And just because you try one does not mean you can't try something else. Mm -hmm. So we start with what's safe and easy. So we often will start with the injectable medication, see how mm -hmm. people do. If they're not doing well with it and they're not losing weight, then we do consider surgery. Yeah. If they have very high BMIs, if they're talking about their 400 and 500 pounds and they have a lot more weight to lose, the medications may not be effective. Yeah. The medications can be used around the time of surgery, after surgery. We initially started using the medications for patients that had weight loss surgery 10 years ago and maybe started gaining weight back. All right, so you're using these all together. All together at all times, so we wanna be treating obesity over the long term of a patient's life to keep them away from other doctors and keep them off other medications for diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, get them off their CPAP machines. The side effects of looking better and feeling better is really just a side effect. Yeah. But we're actually looking to help people live longer, live healthier, to help them not need a knee replacement, not need a hip replacement, delay that knee or hip replacement, or even to make it safer for them to have that knee replacement. So at this point, we're also seeing patients who are considering elective surgery. We can help you lose weight before that elective surgery. If you come in three months before, we can start you on a medication, maybe take 50 pounds off before you get your hip replaced so you have a better recovery. So there's a lot of different things that we can really offer to patients at all stages in their health. And because these are medications, we really don't have an upper age limit mm -hmm. or a lower age limit that we can prescribe. And the risk profile is really low. So there really isn't any major side effects that are prohibitive for these medications. It's amazing because it really is such a larger picture of health instead of just like you mentioned, like wanting to look better or whatever. It's, in, it's impacting everything else in someone's well-being. That's why we got into obesity medicine. Yeah. And you asked that earlier of how did I get into this field, is once you do weight loss surgery and you see someone come back three to six months, they are grateful, mm -hmm. they are healthier, they have improved their life expectancy, they are ridiculously happy, and we've taken someone who was struggling and spiraling down and reversed that cycle. And that's really when I first saw weight loss surgery being done and realized it can be done safely, efficiently, and quickly, you see a remarkable improvement in a patient over a short period of time. And that's why most surgeons go into surgery. Yeah. Because we like to really intervene and help someone. And I don't want to see this person slowly getting worse over the next 10, 20 years. We can actually intervene at that point and make someone much, much healthier. Most of our patients do tell us they wish they would have done it sooner. Mm. And that's a very common response for someone a year after weight loss surgery who does really well. Yeah. And the medications are helping us to expand the amount of patients that we can treat. Yeah, that's super rewarding. You're, you're really seeing like the before and after for somebody of like a life-changing event. We see short-term good results and we're using the medications to help us maintain long-term good results for the majority of patients. And each year that goes by, we're getting new, newer and better drugs in easier ways to dispense to help people maintain their long-term goals. 
because the whole nation is struggling with obesity. Right. Um, I think you mentioned a bit about age. So there is no restriction. There's no restriction on, you know, they have to be 18 or you shouldn't be over 80, you know. We do recommend people to be done growing. Yeah. So 12, 13, we want to make sure a, a child has fully grown uh, before we start treating them with dietary restrictions Don't of any grow, type. grow, though, for a while? They do. So <laughs> that's something that we will work with a pediatrician yeah. to make sure their growth plates are matured, that this is an 18-year-old or a 14-year-old who's fully grown. Mm -hmm. So we really won't get involved. We can work with nutritionists, diet, uh, activity changes, but we're not really going to get involved with something that restricts calories until a child has fully grown. How can they tell when someone's fully grown? They do x-rays of a growth plate. What does that mean? It's an x-ray of joints okay. that shows their bone length is completed. That's so So that's so something crazy. that uh, pediatricians routinely can tell us that someone has fully grown. That's cool. So that's what we use for the younger age. Yeah. And the older ages, there really aren't restrictions for medications. Mm -hmm. There is a risk benefit. And the younger someone is, the better the effects of weight loss can be. If I'm seeing an 80-year-old, they did pretty well. Yeah. So we're really looking for people who are want to get to 80 yeah, uh, or yeah, scared yeah. they may not get there. But once you're in that, you've exceeded your life expectancy of men and women in this country, we don't want to add anything that may contraindicate or cross-react with any other medication somebody is on. Right. So what, I guess, what are limitations in that? Is there specific conditions someone has that you say, you know what, this might not be a good idea for you or... So the medications are contraindicated in a rare type of thyroid cancer. Okay. They have been associated with gallbladder problems as well as pancreatitis. Gallbladder problems are common with any type of dietary or weight changes. So that's not prohibitive, but it is something that can develop as someone may find, I had dietary changes, my weight shifted, and I just happened to need my gallbladder out at that point. Mm -hmm. So that's really the only two main issues with these newer medications that are out there. If their gall gallbladder was taken out, that's okay then? Yes. They can, okay. Yes. Okay. So I can't remember if we touched on this earlier or not, but just regular side effects of taking it are, are what? If you will have abdominal pain, cramping, nausea, Vomiting. And everybody experiences this who takes you it. You may have mild symptoms when you begin to eat something, and then when you realize you can't continue to eat, the symptoms go away. Hmm. So it's not that those are side effects. Those are desired effects that are preventing you from eating or overeating mm -hmm. or eating the wrong things. And if the side effects were terrible, no one would do it. Yeah, that's true. There are rare reports of people having issues with slowing down of their stomach emptying, having issues where their stomach doesn't empty well. So these medications have been around for several years, but we don't really know the long-term effect of, are you gonna be on Ozempic, Wagovi, Manjaro forever? Or what do we do when you've obtained your weight loss? Can we taper you down? Can we use other medications or other methods to help suppress your appetite so you don't regain weight after you've gotten to where you need to be? Yeah, so you just touched on a point of kind of like the long term. When do you think we'll know? I I guess since everything's so new, when when will we know like whether you can stay on this for 30 years or, or not? So we, no one knows that answer yeah. yet. So we are looking at it and deciding 
what can we do each year, what new medications or new treatments are coming from the pharmaceutical industries, because they are working on it as well. Mm -hmm. to come out with other types of pills, other type of injections, other types of delivery systems for these type of drugs, since this class of medications does seem to affect weight loss. And then we don't know if surgery should be involved in there as well, where if we can take some weight off someone, then do surgery, and then continue a different type of medication to help keep the weight off. So all of these things should be considered together, and that's how our practice got involved in started with obesity surgery and has progressed into obesity medicine and now we want to be treating obesity in its entirety with all treatments available over all stages of life because we really want to use them at different times and that's something that we consider uniquely with every patient and how successful they're being with different treatments. There are many different types of obesities that have been described, different types of eating patterns, emotional eaters, people eat out of habit, um, people who have low metabolism, and there are lots of different medications that can help suppress those types of eating patterns. And that's what's being recommended from obesity medicine societies is to consider different types of medications for different types of eaters Mm -hmm. and why people eat and overeat and how can we suppress those things. And those are how these medications are being designed to affect different personalities of people that overeat. So there's going to be, or there already are, medications specific to kind of your suppress certain cravings. Interesting. That's so. So those crazy. already exist, and our opinion on those types of medications is those oral pills may be excellent at suppressing weight regain after being treated with a, a GLP-1 inhibitor. Does somebody ever come to you and say, you know, I don't want to take medication for my whole life? Can can someone, you know, get a surgery or lose the weight with the the help of medication and then move on to not needing it? Well, most weight loss surgery patients are not taking any okay. pills or the majority of patients who have weight loss surgery do not have to take medications to keep their weight down. Mm-hmm. Uh, 70% of patients after weight loss surgery do very well. So that's still the best treatment for long-term weight loss. We can supplement it with medications if they want to, but most do not need that. So that's still the main indication and that's still the main treatment for obesity in the country. We go through an insurance process. Insurance does cover weight loss surgery. Those standards are well established over the last 20 to 25 years that that is the main treatment for obesity uh, for those higher BMIs. It's the lower BMIs that the medications can help or people that have already had surgery 10, 15 years ago and are looking for other options, or maybe someone who's too old, sick, or has had previous operations that prevents us from recommending a surgery. But weight loss surgery is still very effective and has a far better long-term data than any of these medications that currently exist. Yeah, so it makes sense. It really depends on where somebody is Correct. on what you would prescribe, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we can always try medications first, mm-hmm. see how they do, two, three months go by, we know. If someone hasn't lost effective weight over two, three months of these medications, they're usually not going to. Right. So then that's where we would say you should be considering surgery. And during that time frame, we will often recommend both. We can start the medication, but you should also start the process of going through what we need to get you to be safe for surgery. And a lot of those things are the same. Mm -hmm. 
and then we'll make a decision as two, three months go by, this is working, we don't need to do an operation, or we should stop the medication and proceed with surgery, we can still use the medications afterwards if we need to. Right. To a lot suppress of, the weight regain. A lot regain. of tools. A lot of tools to use here. So um, I was reading something. Someone was talking about ozempic face. Have you have you heard of that? Yes. Can you talk about it? So it's important to be meeting with a, a registered dietitian. Yeah. To be eating foods that are protein, fruits and vegetables, and what you choose to eat has an effect. There, if your body just loses weight and isn't replacing protein, you will lose muscle in your body. And the human body will lose muscle first when you start a period of starvation or you're dropping weight. And all of these medications- Muscle before fat? Yes. That's sad. That's how the body <laughs> chooses to lose weight. And that's can happen with weight loss surgery too. Okay. So it's important for those patients who are undergoing weight loss of any type mm -hmm. to maintain protein intake and exercise to continue to build muscle in their body and not just to lose muscle in their body. Mm -hmm. And that's really how that gets treated. And it should be started before. Yeah. So we really wanna have that discussion of, you must be eating these types of foods if you're going to go through any process to lose weight. So it's not that it's ozempic face, it's any significant weight loss. Yeah. If you're not taking protein, you will lose uh, muscles in all parts of your body. So for anyone listening who doesn't know what ozempic face is, isn't it when you're, you're losing the muscle in your face and it kind of gets sunken in and you'll f have more wrinkles and all that stuff we don't want? Yes, so okay. those muscles in your face that waste away. Yeah, that's not good. And thin out. So you want to maintain that. And that's where exercise and doing activity and being active and eating the right things will help these drugs be far more effective. That sounds good. So what would you tell somebody who has never attempted weight loss before, but they're like, you know what, I need to do this. Like, what's the first steps that they should take? So talking to their healthcare provider. Mm -hmm finding someone or your healthcare provider who can really recommend a, it's a holistic approach. You really have to be dedicated and there are many practices and many different doctors who are approaching it in this way where you can start with medication, surgery is on the list too, depending on what your BMI is, but just meeting with your healthcare provider and beginning that conversation and letting them help direct you to where the best resource is to help you lose weight and keep it off in the long term with as many different resources as possible because that's really what we now have available. The more people follow up with people who are helping them lose weight, the better they do. Mm -hmm. So that's always been the case as someone who comes in, has an operation and disappears for weight loss, never does as well as the patient who maintains their appointments, comes in annually, gets weighed routinely and is engaged in their own health care. Because the reason to lose weight is to improve your health and to live longer. And that's never changed. So those motivations, it's not to, I have a wedding this summer and I need to look good in that right. dress. It's not a New Year's resolution. It's I want to live longer. I want to avoid diabetes, sleep apnea, high blood pressure, and heart disease. I want to be healthy, and it does require lifelong uh, 
changes in someone's life. And I always equate weight loss to heart disease. Uh, it's affected by smoking, poor habits, bad exercise, genetics. And if someone is vigilant, they can really lower their risk factors. And that's what we're talking about is a lifelong change to lower your risk factors to live longer and avoid things that may be in your genetics that are difficult to deal with. We're talking about this from such a wide approach of like different aspects of your health, you know, nutrition and fitness. And um, does anybody who comes for for this kind of consultation get counseling from like a mental health perspective? Because I can imagine like depression, anxiety probably goes hand in hand a lot with people who are struggling with weight loss. Yes. So our bariatric practice has a relationship with all of those services, including support groups that meet twice monthly that are affiliated with Jersey Shore Medical Center. And yes, those are personalities and addictive behaviors. And if I'm taking something away from someone who uses for emotional support, they may need to talk to someone about it. And those are all things that have always been part of weight loss surgery practices because that's always been a component. So we have those services available. We recommend them. We want people to engage in them. And it doesn't matter what method of weight loss, but there are always things going on in people's lives that they may need help with. So our most successful patients often point to their head and say, I'm successful because I made changes in my head, not in my stomach. Mm. So those are key factors in helping people change lifestyle habits is they have to really want to do it and they have to be aware of what struggles are in their life. So mental health professionals are always helpful and have always been part of weight loss surgery practices. Yeah, that's perfect. I think they they have to go hand in hand again for someone's just like overall well-being. So that's really good to hear. And then just thinking for for anyone who's listening and considering either surgery or medications for weight loss, um, how comfortable would you advise like a family member just to give someone that confidence to say like, you know what, like Dr. Kipnis says he he would take it himself, you know? How do you feel about that? So we are prescribing it for almost everyone we know. Okay. Family members, office members, people we know, people we care about. It's very effective and I'm referring to weight loss surgery, to these newer injectable medications and everything in between because that goal is effective for everyone. It's one of the safest operations out there. It's been around for a long time. These medications have shown very good safety profiles and our practice has waited for the FDA to approve them, but they've been prescribed for years uh, for other indications like diabetes and they're very effective. So we are doing all of that. We are using these medications for almost everyone we know and most people today can look around and go, I know someone who's mm -hmm. had weight loss surgery, who's on one of these uh, injectable weight loss medications. They're so common today that everyone knows someone who's on it and they're working. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about this today. For sure. Thank you for sharing that because I really think it's important to normalize this conversation and help people feel confident and not be scared of it or feel stigmatized. That's always been an issue for obesity treatment in this country mm -hmm. is it always bothers anyone who treats obesity that it's the one medical disease that is discriminated against. 
where heart disease we treat, we take care of someone's heart, we make sure they don't have a heart attack. If they have a heart attack, we treat them. And obesity is often felt to be the fault of an individual, but both obesity and heart disease are caused by the same things. One we treat, insurance covers, is well treated. The other we put blame on the individual, where we really shouldn't be doing that. And that's hopefully something that will continue to shift in this country that obesity is a medical disease and requires cheap, affordable, regularly available treatments to help prevent it and reverse it when it's there. Absolutely, that has to be the hope, right? That's what we've been seeing over the last 15 years, but it's been a slow change. Right, well, we're trending in the right direction. Uh, Dr. Kipnis, thank you so much. This was super informative, and I hope anyone who's listening who's hoping to make a lifestyle change, a weight loss, that they feel that They got the information they needed today. Thank you for having me. The material provided through this podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.